If you got your Bible there, turn with me, please, to Proverbs, the fourth chapter, and the 18th verse. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. We have been made just, justified, made righteous by our faith in Jesus and what he has done. Our path is supposed to get brighter, not darker. Greater, not lesser. You believe that or not? Brighter, somebody say more and more. Now that's not worse and worse, is it? That's not darker and darker. More and more. How many think more light is going to help you or hurt you? Help. <laughs> it's going to help you. It's going to help you. Go with me to Hebrews, or they'll put it up on the screen for us. Hebrews 10:38. This is a quote of a scripture. You'll find this some half dozen times throughout the scriptures, the same phrase. That it begins with here, the just shall live by faith. How many believe that's significant? That's important. Well now, whose path is going to get brighter and brighter? The just. And uh, how are we going to go down this path? We're going to do it by faith. And as we do it by faith, it's going to get brighter and brighter as we go by faith. But here you see something about the nature of faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Drawing back is the opposite of walking by faith. What would cause you to draw back? One of the principal things is fear. Fear causes you to draw back. Faith Enabled you to move forward. Somebody say forward in faith. faith. You know if you feel like you've been spinning your wheels. Or you feel like you've been moving backward or, or losing ground. First of all acknowledge that's not the will of God. Amen. Not everything that happens is God. Amen. There's a whole lot of stuff happening down here. That's not God's will. Not God's plan. Because people, human beings have a will. And there's an enemy at work. And there's the curse in the earth. A whole lot of things that's not the will of God. But to find and follow and fulfill his will takes faith. And it takes faith to step out and move forward. You believe that? Say it out loud. Forward in faith. Let's read it again. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, so obviously faith is not drawing back. My soul, I have no pleasure in him. Keep reading the next verse. But we're not of them who draw back unto perdition or destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. It'd do good to confess this. We are not of them that draw back. Said out loud, I'm not pulling back. I'm not drawing back. I'm not looking back. I'm not going back. Well, what are you doing? How do you move forward? By faith. What happens when you move forward by faith? It gets brighter. Shines more. And more. Right? Now, we've been talking about this. This is our third segment on this. And uh, if you weren't with us, then uh, get the previous messages. Get caught up with us. Go online, download them, go in the back at the Word Supply, get you a CD or a DVD. Won't cost you a penny. Won't cost you anything. Thank you. And uh, around here we have a saying, no cost means no excuse for not knowing it. Not have, You can't say you couldn't afford it. Well, uh, I want us to go on. We talked about uh, the Israelites and how even though God delivered them from Egyptian bondage, through a series of the most amazing miracles that have ever happened on the planet. Still, what did they keep doing when hard times came up? 
they looked back to Egypt. And at one point, they even begin to sob and to cry and said, you know, we had watermelons and free fish in Egypt. Uh, this is what I call selective memory and modified memory. Did you know Ecclesiastes says, don't say what is the cause that the former days were better than these. If the Bible said don't say something, what do you think? That's basically the way we'd say it today is the good old days. You know, why, why isn't today like the good old days? Again, you get into that selective memory. Because the old days had plenty of problems, didn't they? And plenty of troubles. And especially if you've been saved and delivered and helped, why would you want to go back to that or look to that? But that first generation of, of Israel delivered out of Egyptian bondage, they kept on doing it over and over. Every time something would come up and it was hard or challenging, they started crying, they started whining, they started complaining and saying, let's go back. Let's go back. Now, we just got through reading in Hebrews, how does God feel about pulling back, drawing back, wanting to go back? He said, my soul, I have no pleasure in that. Why? Because that's not faith. It takes faith to move forward. It takes faith to turn loose of the known and familiar and to step towards the unknown. And it's not easy. Did you hear that part? Oh, no. No. Sometimes people have left the idea, oh, man, you know, it's just a breeze living by faith. (laughs) No, the Bible didn't say it was always easy living by faith. No. I mean, taking the land, facing the giants, believing to get through the walls, right? Does that sound easy to you? No. No. But they kept looking back. Now, now we've, we've said this, but let me repeat it. They looked back longingly and said, oh, garlic and onions, watermelons, and free fish, all you can eat. (laughs) Did they ever get to go back and eat those fish and watermelons? All of their longing, all of their crying, all of their complaining was for what? They never went back. They never got to go back. Let me ask you a question. Do you suppose there were any watermelons in front of them over in the promised land? Well, we saw the grapes that they had. It would have been better watermelons, bigger watermelons, better fish, better everything. But the only way they're going to get it is to forget about yesterday. Forget about what's behind. Forget about what they have left. And move forward in faith. Takes faith to do it. But it's the only place you're going to find what you're looking for. You can't get the other. Going back. They talked about going back. They cried about going back. They tried to go back. And they never got back. Did they? What happened to them? They perished out there in a dry, desolate, barren place dreaming about Egypt. And God had something so much better for them. And the Bible tells us that these things happened to them are examples for us. Remember that? 1 Corinthians 10. And for us to not do what they did. Somebody said out loud, I'm not going back. I'm not drawing back. I'm not looking back. I'm moving forward in faith. Go to Genesis, please. In Genesis 19, this is the story of when uh, Sodom and Gomorrah had been so evil that judgment was looming and pending And Abram has kinfolks 
living in these town, this city. And uh, Lot and his wife and his kids, and I guess their their spouses. And uh, judgment is just about to fall. We know what happened. And by the mercy of God, the angels of the Lord have come to personally get Abram's kinfolks out of there before it's destroyed. So that they're not destroyed with it. Did you know, whether folks realize it or not, somebody who's really committed to the Lord and walking with the Lord is a great blessing to their whole family? That God will do things for that family because of them? You know, I've had the Lord tell me in times of prayer, praying for relatives of mine that were not living right at all. And I knew if they get what they're sowing, it's going to be bad. It's going to be judgment. So I'm praying for them, asking for mercy. And I've had the Lord speak to my heart. I don't mean a voice, but inside me said to me, I'm going to do that just because you asked me to. Don't that bless you? And the reason I know it, it happened. It happened just that way. Mercy and grace and time and space to get things right. Just because we asked him to. Well, didn't that happen right here? I mean, it's not like Lot and his family was talking to the Lord about it. But Abram was. And because of what Abram asked and because of his relationship with the Lord, the Lord had mercy on Lot and his family. But when they came to lead them out of there and get them out of there, if you look over here in Genesis 19, down about verse uh, oh, 16 or so. Well, let me read 15. When the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot. They hurried him. They said, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters, which are here, lest you be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Did you know if you stay too close to an evil bunch, you get what they get? Do you know that? Revelation talks about this again. The Lord said, come out of her, my people, so you don't get judged with her judgments. Talking about an evil city, evil place. Uh, does it matter who you run with, who you, who you hang around? It does. If things go bad enough that judgment starts happening with them... If you partake in what they partake of, then you get part of what they get. And so uh, Lot had already, they'd already tried to talk to his other kids and in-laws and they wouldn't listen to him. So the angels are telling them, go right now. Just take your family that's here and go now immediately. Lest you be consumed in the iniquity of the city. In other words, if you don't, you can be consumed with them. Even though the Bible said Lot was a righteous man. And the evil in the city vexed his righteous soul. It bothered him. How evil the people were where he lived. And yet he stayed there. And still lived there. Verse 16. Keep going. While he lingered the men laid hold on his hand. And upon the hand of his wife. And upon the hand of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful to them. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. So they got a hold of him, them, and just took them out there. Took them out there. Because they had run out of time. Now, they're still waiting. They're still procrastinating. And judgment is here. And the angels are telling them, it's here. We got to go. We got to go. And they didn't go. Until the angels literally got a hold of them. And got them out of there. How many know when the Lord says move. It's time to move. <laughs> not talk about it. Not play with it. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad. He said escape for your life. Run for your life. Get out of here. And what did he say? What's the next phrase? What's the next phrase? Look not behind you. Are you clear on these instructions? Yes. What do you do? You get out of here. You go now. You run for your life. 
This is serious. And don't look back. Somebody say, don't look back. back. Say it again. Don't look back. back. Hmm? Tell your neighbor, help them out. See if they believe it. Say, say, don't look back. Don't (laughs) look. Well, if you're not looking back, where are you looking? You're looking where you're going. Forward. Where are they supposed to be going? Out of here. Away from here. And don't look back towards here. Don't stay in all the plane. In other words, don't get out there in the plane and stop. Keep going till you get all the way to that mountain over there. Lest you be consumed. Verse 18, Lot says to them, Oh, not so, my Lord. (laughs) No. We don't have to go all the way over there. Your servant has found grace in your sight and you've magnified your mercy which you've showed to me in saving my life. I cannot escape to the mountain lest some evil will take me and I'll die. Behold now, this city is near to flee to. It's a little one. Now you go see this. They just couldn't turn loose of the city. They're still trying to stay in the city. Let me escape there. It's just a little one. And my soul will live. And he said look I've accepted you concerning this thing also. I'll not overthrow this city. For the which you've spoken. Haste thee. Hurry up. (laughs) You see they've been telling them this over and over. Go. Go. And they didn't go. They wouldn't go. Why wouldn't they go? I'm going to give you a phrase. Unholy attachments. Unholy attachments. They were attached to this place. There were some things he didn't like about it and thought it was evil, but it wasn't enough for them to move out of there. And there were some things, obviously, that he liked about it, and especially his wife liked about it. They were attached to that place. And so that's why they keep dragging their feet. They keep dragging their feet. They won't go. They won't leave it. And so he said, I've accepted you, but hurry up, verse 22, and and escape there. Get over there, for I cannot do anything till you become thither. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. He overthrew those cities and all the plain and the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. Total destruction. Total devastation. And see, do you see why he told him to not stop in the plain? The plain was destroyed. But, verse 26, are you reading with me? What happened? His wife looked back from behind him and she never went forward anymore. She became a pillar of salt. She was immobilized. She was frozen, petrified, if you will. And if you look up the scriptures, you'll find that the fire and brimstone includes the idea of salt and sulfur. Let me read this to you from other the verses and you'll see what we're talking about. The scripture says Deuteronomy 29:23 said the whole land will be a, I'm reading the NIV will be a burning waste of salt and sulfur. It'll be like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. So it was salt and sulfur. And that's what she became. It's what she was longing for. She became what she was looking at. It was turning into salt and sulfur. And so did she. And the New Testament tells us 
remember Lot's wife. You remember reading that in the New Testament? Luke 17, put it up on the screen for us, please. Luke 17, 32. It says, remember Lot's wife, and verse 33, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. What was the problem? First of all, the angel of the Lord told him, don't look back. Now, don't think this has nothing to do with you, because I assure you, there'll be times in your life the Lord will tell you, turn loose of that and don't look back. What does that mean? Turn loose of it and don't look back. Move forward. Well, what if you ignore him? What if you disobey him? Does it matter to look back at it? And we need to look at the translations because the Young's literal says, that the angel told them, escape for your life, look not expectingly behind you. And so it said in verse 26, Young's literal, his wife looketh expectingly from behind him. The NET says, Lot's wife looked back longingly and turned into a pillar of salt. She didn't just look back to see what was happening. She looked back because her heart was in that place. And she couldn't bear. It was, you know, tearing her apart, so to speak, to leave it. Unholy attachments. And as she's looking at it, longing for it, she couldn't get free from it. And the same thing that happened to it happened to her. Is this a principle? Yes. It is. Somebody say don't look back. Don't look back. Can you keep from looking back? Will you ever be pulled to look back? Were these Israelites that kept looking back to Egypt? Were they just some kind of weird people that just had a peculiar problem? Lot's wife, is she some kind of a strange exception? Or have a lot of people had the same problem? Looking back, longing for the good old days, the good old times. That's unbelief. Unbelief can't see good in the future. So it looks back. Says, well, we'll go back. But faith refuses to look back because the best is ahead. The best is ahead. Moving forward. Getting better. Getting brighter. Oh, it's not easy. It's hard on the flesh. It's hard on the soul. Especially when you're used to something and you're comfortable. Oh, yeah. It's rough on you. Phyllis have done this time after time. You know of turning loose of what we've known, what we've got comfortable with, and stepping out where we didn't know anybody, didn't have any resources, didn't have anything. Oh, it's uncomfortable as can be. And it can be scary to your flesh and to your mind. But it comes down to whether you believe the Lord or not. If he said, this is what I got for you, and it's this way. It's forward. Forget about backward. Go forward. Then you have to trust him. To find out what it is. And every time by the grace of God we did. How many understand you found something good. And it got brighter. And it got better. And how many believe it's never supposed to stop. Or go the other way. It's uh, the whole life before you. Your whole path before you. Is supposed to get better. And brighter. And greater. God is the God of increase. The God who gives growth. And increase. And it doesn't please God. When we stop. And when we look back longingly. And we try to quit. And we try to go back. Say it again. I'm not going back. I'm moving forward. He said remember. Lot's wife. Why would he say that? Well so that you don't do. 
what she did. You don't do what she did. Go with me to 2 Timothy, please. Actually, I, um, 1 John 2, then let's go to 2 Timothy 4. Go to 1 John 2 first, please. Then we'll go to 2 Timothy 4, I think. What did uh, Lot's wife do? She didn't just look back. What did she do? She longingly. She longed for it. What was the problem? What did she like about Sodom? She didn't just think it was an okay place. It was tearing her up to leave it. And she looks back longingly like, I can't do this. Why are we leaving? Now let's go even further. At the time, they're escaping just as they they get to, you know, past the plain is when this devastation and destruction came down. I mean, I don't know exactly what the instrument was, whether it was a meteor shower or, or what kind of thing, but there's, there's stones and there's sulfur and there's salt and it just, it destroyed the whole place. Everything. And why would she look longingly back there now? Because what is there to go back to? Why didn't she have the realization and understanding to go, well, there's not going to be anything back there to go back to anyway. I better look forward. But the Bible said where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And that's where her heart was even when the place is burning to the ground. She still can't turn loose of it in her heart. And so she looks back longingly and what happened to it happened to her she was attached to it and what it got she got and that's just a spiritual principle whatever you join yourself to whatever you connect yourself to eventually what it gets you'll get good or bad what did she love about Sodom and Gomorrah What was it she loved about it? The Bible said Lot is a righteous man. They've traveled with Abram. They've been around godliness, haven't they? They've been around faith. They learned faith and prosperity with Abram. And Lot became rich by learning how to operate like Abraham did, didn't he? And they saw Abraham pray and they saw him honor God and with his offerings and with his tithing and and all these things. And the Bible said Lot being a righteous man every day his soul was vexed with the way they lived there in Sodom and Gomorrah. It bothered him. But not enough (laughs) to leave. And I'm sure his wife was part of it. What did she love about it? Well, you begin to see in 1 John here. You can see right here what she loved about it. 1 John 2 and uh, 15. What does it say? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Love not the world. If the Lord says that, what should be our response? I don't love the world. I don't love the world. What is the world? This phrase is used a whole lot in the scriptures. And I understand it like this. It basically means the ungodly world. It's the word cosmos. It's the word for age. And here's an interesting thing. Did you know in Peter where it says, let the woman's 
adorning not be the outward adorning of plaiting the hair, wearing of gold, putting on of apparel, but the meek and quiet heart. That word adorn is the exact same word translated world. Isn't that interesting? But isn't it a picture of the glitz and the glitter and the adornment and the draw of the ungodly world. And that's what characterizes it is it is void of God and even a lot of it anti-God. And this is the thing that you and I are to what? Not love. Why don't you say it out loud? I don't love the world. I don't love the world. Notice the next phrase. If any man does love the world, are there people who love the world? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's what happened to Lot's wife. She loved it. What did she love? She loved the city. She loved the life. She loved the looseness. And the absence of so many moral restraints. And she just liked the whole deal. That's how she wanted to live. But what she didn't realize is she loved that more than she loved God. And when it came time to choose, she wasn't willing to turn it loose. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father, or that could be translated love for the Father, is not in him. Now keep reading and you see what the world is. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. All the ungodly stuff. Is it all around us? The godless anti-God, anti-Christ world and age and life. But there is a direct contradiction. Go with me to the book of James. Hold your place here. Go to the book of James and you'll see further what we're talking about. I know this might be a little different than what you were thinking about tonight, but how would you know? (laughs) James 4.4 goes with this. He said, adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is what? Enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. This is strong language, isn't it? Do you think you could do both at the same time? Obviously, you can't. You can't love the ungodly world and what people value in the ungodly world and the life they live and love God and what He wants. You can't serve two masters, can you? Say it out loud again. I don't love the world. This world, this life. Back to 1 John 2, if you're still holding that. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. So if you're loving that, you're loving something that's not of God, got nothing to do with God. Loving that instead of God. Verse 17, and the world passes away, and the lust or the desires, the longings, Thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. One of the things we got to remember is that none of this stuff will be here very soon. Huh? All of the, the word lust, another word for that, you could use longings, which is what we see Lot's wife did. She looked back, lusting after that place, longing after it, wanting it desiring it and maybe what she didn't fully acknowledge is that she loves this way more than she loves God and his plan for her life and his ways 
She actually made that choice long ago. You know, they could have stayed with Abraham. But see, that was part of what was going on back then. And they never got it fixed. And it got to the place where it cost them severely. Somebody said out loud, I love God. God. Not Not this present world. We're in this world. But we're a part of a different family. Aren't we? We live a different life. By different standards. In different ways. We are supposed to be very, very different. From the ungodly and unbelievers around. I mean, we're supposed to stand out. Not trying to be weird or different. It's just how we live. What we are should be noticeably different. And when people that don't love God and love the ungodliness of this present age and world, when they talk about, you know, with glowing remarks about how great this is and about how super this is, we are not to join in. Because that's not what we love. Talking about especially things that are wrong. They can call us holier than thou, call us whatever they like, but it's not about trying to be better than somebody. It's we love God. And he said, if you love this world, you don't love him. And if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of his. Man, that's strong, isn't it? I've made up my mind. How about you? I, I don't love this ungodly, the glitz. The glamour, the junk, it's a bunch of tinsel anyway, right? It, underneath, it's corruption and death and sin. And it's going to be here about that much longer. And then it's all going to be gone. So how foolish it would be. Think about her. She's looking back. This place is being destroyed as she's looking. I mean, just logic would say, well, forget about that. That's gone, Right? No need looking back there. Let's find out what God has for us. But her heart was too much in it. Unholy attachments. Go with me then to Timothy if you have that place. Second Timothy, the fourth chapter. I tell you what, I'm not quite ready yet. Go to 1 Corinthians 7. And I think you'll get more out of uh, Timothy if we do it this way. You go into 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine. Said out loud, use it. Use it. Don't abuse it. <laughs> Did you know that's a direct quote of Scripture? Use it. Don't abuse it. What does that mean? He said here, I say, brethren, the time is short. It remains that both they that have wives be as though they had none. What does that mean? Keep reading. They that weep as though they wept not. They that rejoice as though they rejoice not. They that buy as though they possess not. Verse 31. They that use this world as not abusing it for the fashion of this world passes away. What does that mean? You've got to have dealings with the world some. You'll have dealings with unbelievers. You'll have dealings with, you know, in business, in life, in your job. He didn't tell us to go hide away from the world. We're the light of the world. Salt in a preservative sense and light of the world. But uh, this phrase is enlightening. Listen to the NIV. Verse 31, the NIV said, those who use the things of this world as if what? Not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. The complete Jewish says a similar thing, those who deal in worldly affairs as if not engrossed in them. You'll have to do some things in the world But don't get into it too deep. Don't get involved in the ungodliness of it. And the Bible said pure religion and 
before God is, among other things, to keep yourself unspotted from the world. We're down here. It's all around us. But if we love God and we're his, we can't love what he hates. Right? We can't be friends with his enemy. The spirit that's in the world that moves people to blaspheme him and despise him. How can we embrace that? How can we be? We can't be okay with that. People say, well, you need to be open-minded. You know, there's many religions in the world. You need to respect everybody's religion. I can't be a Christian and do that. When the head of the church tells me he is the only way and nobody can come to the Father except by him. How am I going to tell somebody they're okay without him when it's completely contrary to what he said? What's a Christian? A Christian? How many think Christians ought to believe what the Christ told them and not just make up other stuff and try? See, again, that's part of the world. Oh, we're all okay. We're just all uh, children of the same God. No, we're not. The Bible says different. No, we're not. The Bible said you must be born again. The Bible said there's a broad path that goes to destruction and a lot of people that are going in it. And there's a straight way that goes to salvation and a few, relatively speaking. And that's not popular. That's not politically and socially correct. But it's the truth. I said it's the truth. And you can love this pseudo peace and pseudo harmony. But that's just part of the spirit of the world. We're all okay. We all believe in our own way. and we are. No, no, no. Jesus told some of the most religious people of his day, you are of your father the devil. Didn't he say that? And he said, if you don't believe that I'm the one, you will die in your sins. Did he say that? He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the father. Except by me. Did he say it? That's what we believe. We want everybody to get in. Don't you? But you're not going to help folks. By comforting them in their delusion. Telling them they're okay. When they're not. Loving the world. And its ways. He said. Even though we use the things of this world. We don't get engrossed in them. We don't delve into them. There should come a point real quickly where that, that, no, that's all we're doing with that. We did some business. We did this and that, but no, I'm not going to get drunk with you to celebrate. Come on, are you listening? No, I'm not going over there. Why? Because if people are yielding to wrong spirits and you fellowship with them, you're yielding to what they're yielding to. And you'll partake of what they're partaking of. And they don't need to pull you to the world's way. You need to pull them this way. <laughs> Can you say amen or oh me or I'll think about it. Or <laughs> Go to Second Timothy, please. Second Timothy. If you don't like this one, come back Sunday. It may be completely different. <laughs> Of course, if it's scriptures we're reading, we should be embracing them, right? 2 Timothy 4, notice this, 10th verse. Paul said this. He said, Demas has forsaken me. Forsaken who? Paul. Why did he do it? Why did Demas leave him? Forsake is a strong word, isn't it? How many know the implication is he shouldn't have left? He didn't send him off to do great things. No, he forsook him. And the reason why is because he loved this present world. This world, this life, this life, this age. He loved it. And he wants to get all he can out of this life. And he's not willing to sacrifice this life for the kingdom or the next. 
He's actually, whether he means to or not, he's willing to sacrifice the next for this one. And he left. He went to Thessalonica. He left. Well, uh, I want you to, to think with me about this. In Colossians 4.14, don't turn there, but Colossians 4.14, he mentions Demas. He says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Well, Demas was with Luke and Paul's party. He said in Philemon 24, he mentioned several people. He said, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Demas, Lucas. He says, Paul says, my fellow laborers. He calls Demas a co-worker with him. He had a part in the ministry with him. Didn't he? With Luke. And others. And so how does it happen? That there comes a time in Demas' life where he says. They said okay we're shipping out to such and such place. We're going to have some meetings over there. And we're going to start another church. And Demas says I'm not going. You're not going. No. Where are you going? You're not going? Nope. I got a ticket to Vegas tonight. (laughs) Now I'm not picking on them. They labeled their self. Sin City. Didn't they? They personify. The glitz. And sin of the world. Now I want you to think about this. Demas has been with Paul. In meetings. He's seen miracles. Hasn't he? How many think he's heard some of the best teaching and preaching on the planet? You know he has. Do you think he's sensed the presence of God and seen healings and deliverances? You know he has. We read about it. He was there. He saw some of these things. He experienced some of these things. And yet, and yet, do you know, I don't care who you're with. Judas Iscariot was with Jesus. Wasn't he? He was with Jesus. And heard him preach. And was with him personally. Ate with him. Traveled with him. And still decided. I'm tired of this. I want money. I want money. I want a different life. What is he loving? This age. This time. This world. It's the same thing as what Lot's wife did. Looking back towards Sodom. I want that. Sometimes people say, well, the heart wants what the heart wants. No, how about the flesh wants what the flesh wants. But if that's your treasure, your heart will be there. Demas. Judas. Others. Sometimes we might have this in mind that, oh man, no way you could be with Jesus and ever decide you wanted to leave that. Oh yeah, people did. Not just Judas. How many remember one day he preached a message on drink my blood and eat my flesh? Anybody remember that? And he lost thousands of his partners that day. You remember reading that? Jesus himself. He lost thousands of his. It was so bad. (laughs) That when they came back after the meeting. Remember what he did? He looked at the twelve. What did he say? Are y'all leaving too? (laughs) And it wasn't like. Oh no way. We're with you today. As Peter said. Where would we go? (laughs) We don't know anywhere else to go. Right now. Nah. It was more than that. He said. You have the words of life. But. But I think sometimes we look back at these things and we think they were, you know, the people that traveled with Paul, that they were somehow kind of caught up in this spiritual euphoria where you couldn't doubt or be tempted. Oh no, it was so much like what's happening with you and me right now. It was like this. And I don't care who you are or who you're around. You can make up your mind any day or night. You know, 
I'm tired of going to church. I, you know, try and stand, believe God, believe for the next big thing and good thing. Everybody keeps on saying that, and it's been years, and I, I feel worse than I used to about. What are you starting to do? Your head is rotating. And what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, let's just. Let's just cuss. Let's just get drunk. Let's just high. Let's party. You know, let's just blow off all this stuff. Forget all this junk and let's, you know, let's live. Let's live it up. Let's go to Sodom. (laughs) They know how to party in Sodom. Lot's wife couldn't turn loose of it in her heart. Demas, Judas, Others. Well, nobody can decide this for you. But I've made up my mind. Phyllis has made up her. We've made up our mind. How about you? Stand on your feet if you've made up your mind. I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. I don't love the world. I don't love the world. How about you? I'm not going to be like Lot's wife. Are you? I don't love sin. I don't love the world. I don't love the glitz, the glamour, the junk. The Lord's given me enough understanding. I know this is all passing away. It's in the process of leaving here. Being gone forever. I'm not going to sacrifice my future for this. Somebody say, I love him. Close your eyes and just lift up your, your heart, your hands. Somebody say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.